Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Tonight, we're going to be piggybacking off of a talk that I gave at Church for All Nations on a Sunday a few weeks back. We talked about better faith. So if you leave here tonight and you want to watch that, if you haven't, go to our YouTube, subscribe to Church for All Nations YouTube, and watch the sermon that I did about six weeks ago uh, on better faith. So we're going to be picking up kind of where I left off there because the Lord wasn't done with what he wanted to unpack in that word. I talk about my family a lot. I grew up in the South. If you've never heard me teach before, I grew up in the South in Georgia. Georgia. It's always on my mind, right? And all my family is still there. My mom is one of 14 children. I have 48 first cousins just on my mama's side. (laughs) We don't count all the others because we can't count that high. (laughs) But family means everything to me. I'm very, very, very close with my family. And... Every single year, when I can, my immediate family, so my mom and my dad, my oldest brother, Reese, who's 15 years older than me, his wife and three girls, my next brother, Jason, who's 13 years older than me, and his wife and their five boys, (laughs) and then my sister, Luana, I told you I was from the South, my sister, Luana, who was every bit of that name, I can promise you. And her husband and their two children. And my babies and myself and Pastor JF, when he can come, we all do a family vacation together. And my parents are very strict on how we do it. They work and work and work to find one house near the beach that will hold all 30 of us. Get a little closer. Yeah, you're right. Um, How many of you know family in close quarters? Thank you, Jesus, for your spirit. (laughs) Mercy and grace. No, my family's amazing. But I was thinking about that this week because what happens is I usually end up having to go by myself with the kids because we're juggling work and pastoring. And this year, the kids and I flew into Charleston And it's about a two and a half hour drive to this little island off of the coast of South Carolina, and it's called Fripp Island. Fripp Island. And what happens is if my dad, my dad usually picks me up, let's be honest, but if my dad doesn't pick me up and we rent a car and we drive that two and a half hours to that little island, then I pull up to the gate because it's all private gated entry And I tell them my father's name. And when I tell them my father's name, I get a set of access keys. And then the gate opens. And I drive through. And I thought about that this week. Because 
inside the gate. Now the gate opens and I drive in and I'm there. Technically I'm on vacation, right? I am there as a part of what my father, my earthly father intended and paid for. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Daddy's got it. (laughs) What he paid for, I enter into. But I have access keys. Now, and I thought, Lord, what if I pulled into that gate and just stopped there? Because some of us, when we enter into the kingdom of God, when we walk through the door that is Jesus, what Jesus has done for us, when we walk into salvation and eternity with him, some of us just stop there. Without understanding that you've been given keys. You've been given access. Now in this little my, my husband thinks that there's nothing to do there, right? Because he's a city boy. We call him a city boy. Don't tell him I said that. A city Yankee boy. Did you know if you are not from the South, you're a Yankee? It doesn't matter whether you're, yeah, no, that's, that's what we call all of you. You know that? In love. In love. But those keys give me access to a pool. They give me access to lounge chairs and a beach. They give me access to the restaurants there. They give me access to the house where my family's waiting on me. And yet, I thought, how many of us stop as we enter into the gate of this kingdom of heaven, this kingdom of God, and we stop there? And I want to think about tonight what some of you might be missing out on. Because God has given us keys to his power. He's given us keys to healing and provision. He's given us keys to signs and wonders. So many things that he's calling you to. Part of your purpose. And tonight I want to unpack I want to start with the scripture that I left off with. Let's look at Matthew 16. Jesus unpacked this same concept to his disciples in this way. He's telling them more of who they are and what they're called to. And then he tells them how he's going to live this out in and through them. Matthew 16, starting at verse 19. If you have your Bibles, open those or it'll be on the screens. I will give you, this is Jesus talking, Jesus talking. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. We talked about that a few Sundays ago. Not to the kingdom. Jesus was the key to it. Jesus said, after you receive me, I will give you keys of the kingdom. You're already in the door. This is what you get to access as a part of the kingdom of God. Whatever you bind on earth. I want to stop right there. Because not until the last two weeks of my study did I really understand, begin to understand what this meant. Because my entirety of my life, I always heard godly people, well-meaning people say, I bind that in Jesus' name. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not criticizing that. But if you look in the original language at the translation of bind, It actually means forbid. 
So think about that for a second. Even the New Living Translation actually uses that word. Whatever you forbid on earth will actually be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you loose or whatever you permit, whatever you allow on earth will be loosed in heaven. So the concept there is what you allow or what you forbid to operate in your life gives the ability for heaven to make that happen. I don't know about you guys, but that jerked me into, whoa, yes, I am going to say it again. Whatever you allow to function in your life or whatever you forbid to function in your life will actually determine how much power heaven has to operate in your life. That changes everything, ladies. It changes everything. Now you understand that God doesn't love you based on your choices, your decisions, your actions, but his ability to move in your life is determined by those. Whether he's able to operate in fullness of what he wants to do in and through you has everything to do with what you allow in your life or what you forbid. I love the way James says it. James 1 verse 22 says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. Being not just hearers of the word, but doers, actually putting to use in your life what God says. Uh, I, put, I did a post, um, what, a week ago, a week and a half ago. Uh, I'm finally getting back in the gym. And I say finally, it's been three times, you guys. But still, I was there, right? <sighs> Transparency. It's been a year since I've been consistent. And so the Lord's just been convicting me and, and I, we dove back in. So we're at the Y, we're at the Lakewood Y. Whoop, whoop. Uh, and if you see me, I'm usually in a baseball cap, right? And I'm just hiding out, <laughs> sweating like I am right now. Um, and, and I was praying because I like to pray when I walk or work out these things. And I'm asking the Lord, Lord, how do I get them to understand how do I get them to understand what they can access and what you want to do? And this is so silly. I walked by the towel rack. Now, we've been a part of the Y on and off for years since we've been here. And how many of you know my membership, my family membership, comes with towel service, right? And my husband uses the towels, and I don't ever use them. But... I always walk by and the sweet gentleman says, oh, a towel. And I said, thank you, thank you, thank you for having the towels there. Awesome. And I keep walking. And the Holy Spirit quickened me in that moment. And he said, it's the exact same thing. You have so many things that are available to you and you're speaking them out. You're speaking, them, oh, thank you, Lord, for whatever it is, fill in the blank you're not accessing them. You're not picking the towel up. You're not using what he's already provided. This is a great time to dab the sweat from my 
Just work that in, right? What's the example? I was looking at a scripture in Romans 8.37 says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. We're more than conquerors. How many of you know that the devil is not scared of you knowing that scripture? He's not scared of you memorizing that scripture. In fact, all of his kingdom knows that scripture better than we do. You know what he's scared of? Using it. He's scared of you taking hold of it, internalizing it in a way that you are using it in your everyday life so that you don't just quote, I am more than a conqueror, but you go out and you conquer what he's called you to. That's what he's scared of. And so tonight I want to look at a story in scripture. I love this story. We're going to look at a story in scripture that really comes from the exact same principle that we're talking about. A man who decided that he was going to live out what he believed Jesus had for him, that he was going to step into everything that Jesus had for him. And I want to look at three areas that he grasped that you and I can learn from tonight. Are you ready? We're going to look at Mark chapter 2. The entirety of the story is right there. And we're going to read the whole story together and then we're going to analyze it in these last few minutes. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read out of the NIV. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat that the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that that's what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. So he got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. The first area, if you're taking notes, I hope that you are, because if you're Diligent in taking notes, I believe that the Holy Spirit will speak even more to you this week as you revisit your notes. The very first area I want us to think about tonight, about you living out, you walking out your purpose and accessing everything that God has supplied for you. The very first one is understand the purpose of the people around you. Understand the purpose of 
the people around you. On that trip, that family trip that I was telling you about, that we take every year, we always have a pretty intense family volleyball tournament. And I think I have a picture of all my family getting ready to play, right? Not, not, not the older ones, not my parents, but most of the rest of us, some are having to be at college. But if you notice, my Israel, my seven-year-old daughter, she's right there in the middle. But the first night that we arrived, she sat on the side of the sand and watched us play. You got to understand, my Izzy, she's the artist. She's artsy, a little bit artsy like her mama. And she can be a little quiet and she loves to read. So she's kind of slanted more that way naturally. But after the first night, we went back the next night and my nephews and my nieces ended up taking her by the hand and pulling her onto the court and said, no, 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 you're a Leroy. You have skills. That's my maiden name. Sorry. You have skills. We're going to show you how to use those skills. And here's what you do. And she kind of cowered, right? She pulled back. Well, I don't no, 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 no. You're going to do this. This is going to be awesome. And I watched as they coached her. I watched as they encouraged her. I watched as they held her hand and helped her serve. I watched as they blurred the lines of the game so that she could be closer, so that she could feel successful. And you know what I thought by the end of that night? I thought, Lord, this athletic ability really was inside of her. It was inside of her all the time. She just didn't have the people around her to access it. Right? And so the next night, she was like ready to go. She was smack talking. Now, she's her mama's girl. Let's be honest. She's like smack talking and she's doing her. And it's so awesome because this is exactly what happens to the gentleman in the story. Look back with me at Mark 2, verse 3. Some men came bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Some of you, when we spend time at the altar tonight, you're going to start to evaluate your friendships. You're going to start to evaluate the people around you because who you truly need around you are people that are going to be willing to carry you when you don't have the strength. The people that are willing to pick you up when you don't have the power to go where you know you're supposed to go. And they say, no, 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 no. You're not missing this miracle. No, 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 no. I will carry you if I have to. We're going to get you to where God wants you. Amen. But here's what I want you to realize. There were other paralyzed men in that city. There were probably lots of other paralyzed men in that city. What was the difference? Their friends, right? Their friends made all the difference. Going back to the scripture, verse four. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Now, let me, let me just challenge your theology here for a second because some of you would have showed up at Jesus's house, the house where Jesus was preaching, and when it was crowded outside, you'd have said something like this, it must not be God's will. 
Well, there's, I can't get in. There's not easy access. It must not be of God. And in that moment, that's when we need friends that are surrounding us that are going, oh, heck no. I carried your butt here. I am not carrying you home. You are getting what you need from Jesus. You are getting it right now. And I will find a way. And that's exactly why we did this speed dating thing. Because some of you need those women in your life. And we're going to make sure those connections happen, even if we have to force you into a weirdo game. Right? The people that are surrounding you. Now, I love the beautiful picture that Scripture paints. Because you and I don't live in that culture and in that time. So most of us don't understand what the roofs of these homes were made out of. Yes, they were made out of types of straw and mud, but they were also made out of crap. Literal dung. And some of you need friends in your life that are willing to dig through your crap to make sure that you get what God has for you. And if you don't have those friends, you need to make those friends. And let me tell you how you do that. You do that by coming on nights like tonight. You do that by getting into small groups. You also do that by weeding those other friends out of your life so that you make space for the friends who will dig for you. The importance of the people around you. Amen? Here's how important your friends are. Mark 2, verse 5. <laughs> this blew me away. And I've read this so many times, but I hadn't thought about what it really meant. Verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, not the man's faith, when Jesus saw the friend's faith, look what happens. He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now that will mess with your theology. <sighs> Based on the people he'd surrounded himself with, what he was able to access from the Lord. <sighs> Understand the purpose and importance of the people around you. The second area that we're going to glean from this story that you're going to take with you and live out, not just here, but do to access what the Lord has for you. Understand the purpose of the change inside of you. Understand the purpose of the change inside of you. Mark 2, 5, let's read it again. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now let's put ourselves in that man's shoes. Paralyzed, got carried all the way to Jesus, embarrassed because his friends are dragging him on the roof, digging through this poor person's house, right? That's a whole other sermon about when you let Jesus in, how he messes things up. Woo! <laughs> but think about that. And then he gets lowered before Jesus. And then Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. In my head, that man is going, sins forgiven? I want to walk. I came here to walk. I don't care about my sins being forgiven. I want to walk. 
How many of you know that sometimes when we seek Jesus, he gives us what we need before he gives us what we want? And he knows what we have need of in ways that we can't possibly understand. My husband, Pastor JF, grew up here in Tacoma, near the north end, right by the Narrows Bridge. And his senior year of high school, his parents took a pastoring job in the inner city of one of the worst areas of Miami, Florida. And they transplanted their entire family. JF was the oldest, is the oldest of four boys, transplanted all of them into the middle of Miami, Florida to do ministry. How many of you know that my husband, who was like a star athlete, at least when I'm telling the story, star athlete, was looking at record deals with his band, with his best friends, had done his entire life in the same school. And his senior year, the start of his senior year, he gets jerked out of that. His parents put him into what they thought would be a really great school there, except for they didn't realize that the teachers didn't speak English. (laughs) Let's just say he was the gringo. Yeah. And I remember hearing my husband unpack how much he prayed every night. God, I want to go back to Tacoma. God, don't let me be here. Picture what it was like for him to go from Life Center, which is the church he grew up in, into the middle of Miami. And the first job he and his little brother had on Sunday mornings was cleaning up the chicken heads from the parking lot, from the voodoo sacrifices of the priests that were praying against them. And when he would work in the nursery, there were certain protocols because the vast majority of those babies had AIDS. How many of you know that while my husband as a teenager prayed, God, I don't want to be here. God, please, please take me back to Tacoma. I don't want to be here. The Lord knew what he needed more than what he wanted. And so now Church for All Nations has a senior pastor whose heart bleeds, heart bleeds for the disenfranchised, whose heart bleeds for the broken whose heart understands what it looks like to walk through poverty in a way that most of us have never seen. And that's what God does. He gives us what we need instead of what we want. But here's the thing. Maybe you're here today and God is showing you things. Maybe you've been praying for this one thing and here God is presenting these other things to you and you're going, no, but God, I want this. Maybe tonight you will shift your thinking and say, Lord, I will still trust you for this, but I'm thanking you for this. I am seeing the purpose of you giving me what I need first before what I want comes to pass. Understand the importance of the people around you. Understand the importance, the purpose of the change inside of you. God changing you 
before he changes the situation. Think about that too. What if Jesus had healed him before he forgave his sins? How many of you know he'd have probably went, boom, gone, running out, rejoicing? Jesus' timing is always perfect. It's always intentional. And it is always for you. The last point as the band comes back, understanding the purpose of the people around you, understanding the purpose of the change inside of you. And number three, understand the purpose of the opposition in front of you. The opposition in front of you. The house that we live in now, um, we moved in, gosh, I guess it's been almost five years now. And back then, my Israel, she's tall now. She's really tall. And But back then, she was a lot shorter. And her little bathroom that she and Fulton share had, you know, a normal size sink. And so what I did, I'm the thrift store queen. Anybody else out here? Yard sales. Woo, come on now. We don't go to vintage stores because those are too high priced. But all the other stuff. So I found this chest at one of the thrift stores here in town. And it looked like the perfect height for Israel to be able to stand on to get to the sink to brush her teeth adequately, right? And so here I take this chest and I put it right in front of the sink, thinking she'll be all excited, right? Well, that night when it was time for her to brush her teeth, I start hearing crying. (laughs) What is wrong now? Any moms of girls? We like forget what it's like, you know. And I walk in there and she says, Mommy, there is a chest blocking my entire sink. I can't brush my teeth. There's a chest right in front of it. Who put this here? Why is this here? And I said, baby, I put this chest, I put it here. I put it, why would you do that, mom? It's right in the way. I did it because, baby, I'm trying to elevate you. I'm trying to elevate you so the things I've told you to do will now become more accessible. What you saw as opposition is actually opportunity for you to walk into more easily everything that I have for you. And when she understood that, even though the first few times it took her a second to get on top of it, it changed the way she thought about the chest. She was grateful for the chest then. This happens in this story of the paralyzed man. Look at Mark 2, starting in verse 5. Scripture says that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Verse six, here comes the opposition. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? What were they? They were haters. They were doubters. 
They represent all opposition. Verse 8. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, he spoke to the haters. He spoke to the opposition. Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So here's what I'm going to do. I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. Do not miss this. You need to understand that so often opposition is put in your life for opportunity. God uses opposition more often than not to elevate you, to put you in position for everything he has called you to. What are you talking about, Pastor Ashley? That's not in scripture. Are you joking? Have you read any of the Bible? Think about what Moses went through, the opposition he went through to be put into a basket and floated down the river into his opportunity. Think about Esther, the opposition that she faced with Haman. Why? So she could be moved into her opportunity. Think about Joseph. <laughs> the opposition of not only his brothers, but Potiphar's wife. Why? To position him for opportunity. Think about David. We talked about this in the women's Bible study. What everybody else saw as opposition that they wanted to avoid, David ran toward it because he understood that opposition meant opportunity. And that's what ushered him in to being king. What about Jesus? The opposition of Judas, right? God used to walk Jesus into exactly what he would do for you and for me. Tonight, I want you to be encouraged because some of you are sitting here in this place and you've been so wrought with the opposition that is in front of you. Maybe it is doubters. Maybe it's haters. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's something else that I haven't named. But whatever opposition is in front of you, God can use it to elevate you. God can use it to elevate you into everything that he's calling you to. And everything that you are put on this earth for. If you just shift your thinking about it, shift your thinking, walking into everything he's called you to, accessing not just eternal life. He's got so much for you right here and now in this life that he's calling you to, that he's paid for, that he's waiting for you to pick up and use just like those towels. He just wants you to shift your thinking. At the end of this passage, you'll read that after the man got up and walked, after he got his miracle, that all the people around started praising God. Because whatever you're walking through, that is the purpose. It is always for his glory. It is always for his praise. It is always for everyone to see Jesus more clearly. And so tonight, that's what we're going to do.
Tonight, we're going to praise together. We're going to worship the Lord together. I'm going to have response team that's going to come forward. And my response team members, if you'll come over on this side, and they're all available to pray with you, to pray over you, to rejoice with you. Come now, response team. They're here for you. These are prayer warriors. These are women of God. These are people that you want to connect with. They're here to pray over you, to agree with you, to rejoice with you. But whether you want prayer tonight or not, after I ask you this question, we're all going to come forward and we're going to take some time to worship. It's only 8.30 now. So we've got a little bit of time to spend in his presence. How many of you know the times that I look back and my life was changed by God were times at the altar? Times at the altar, crying before God, petitioning him, being in his presence, worshiping him, changing my focus to not on my opposition or the things around me, but to him. Because that's all it's about is him anyway. Amen? Bow your heads. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I don't ever want to close one of these without giving the opportunity for someone to say yes to Jesus. Yes to this Savior. Yes to this King of kings and Lord of lords who died for you and has a life here and now that he desires for you to live. A life of abundance. That doesn't mean that you'll have a lot of stuff. It means that you'll live a life bigger than just for you. A life for him a bigger life. If you want to say yes to him for the first time, or maybe you want to take tonight to rededicate your life and turn back to him on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, just lift your hand. Yes. Yes. I see those hands. Yes. 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 I see those hands. More importantly, the King of Kings sees those hands. So right now you can lower your hand just in your own words. Tell him, Lord, I want to live for you. I give you everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, all my sin, all my shame, all my hopes, all my dreams. Lord, I commit it all to you. I want to do this life for you, Lord. I want the bigger life, the life that's not just for me, the life that is truly for you, God. I want you to surround me with the women that you want me to walk this life with, women that are going to encourage me, women that are going to carry me, God. I want more of you. I want to understand what the opposition is really about, Lord. I want to understand the change in me and how that is the most important first. And tonight, before you leave, I want you to tell someone, one of these prayer warriors would be an amazing start. Tell them the decision that you made For Jesus, we want to link arms with you and walk this journey with you. And for the rest of you, maybe you're here and you do, you want those godly friendships. Maybe you didn't realize how important they really are. And so I'm going to ask you to be intentional. Maybe you met, so maybe some of the women that you met tonight might be a really cool godly connection. Who knows what the Lord has in store? And maybe you need some help shifting your understanding of why God's not giving you what you want yet. Instead, he's giving you what you need. 
He's shifting your thinking. He's changing you from the inside out. And I want to do that through worship. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.